Greetings, this is the Inspector, and you're listening to Sci-Fi Saturday Night, streaming into your human ear holes. Enjoy! Sci-Fi Saturday Night. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now, and avoid war. Don't think you can be so easily! It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. In the name of Jupiter, tell us the truth. Confess and test that you will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. From a very cold corner of sub-level 9, deep in Area 51, hello and, and happy whatever it is. Welcome to TalkCast 340, this week's edition of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Tonight with lingering snark storms, I am the Dome. Joining the TalkCast tonight from the Peabody Time Tunnel, technical anarchist, button-pushing, cl- keyboard-clacking, sonic screwdriver and girl genius, it's Kriana. That's me. Yeah, she's in there somewhere. And it's going to be Kriana, me, and uh, Jeremy Whitley joining us tonight. Jeremy is in three-peat mode. This is his third time on the show, I believe. Possibly fourth, actually. Anyhow, Jeremy, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Glad to be here. Um, we've kind of bounced like three times trying to get you on the show for various reasons. Haven't been able to make it happen for like the past month and a half. We wanted, to get, we wanted to get you on right before your new comic from Marvel came out, The Unstoppable Wasp, and now you're about to go into uh, episode three, correct? Uh, yeah, episode three will be, uh, or issue three will be coming out the, the first week of March. Uh, issue two just hit, uh, I guess, last week, at the beginning of February. Now, The Unstoppable Wasp is kind of a new character in the Marvel Universe, the daughter of Hank Pym. Uh, But you're no stranger to to doing strong young female characters. Uh, It's kind of something you've done really, really, really well for an awfully long time, going all the way back to to Princeless and uh, what was the other one, The, the pirate one? Uh, yes, thank you. Yeah, I feel like an idiot when I can't remember stuff <laughs> like that. Uh, sorry about that. But, uh, you know, how is this different from you working with developing your own characters to a character who's kind of already semi-defined within the Marvel Universe? Um, well, honestly, I, I expected it to be uh, a lot more different than it has been. Um, you know, in the case of, of Nadia, um, you know, she's only really been around for less than a year at this point. I mean, she debuted at Free Comic Book Day last year, so, you know, last year in May. Um, and then she's, she's only really appeared in, you know, a few issues of uh, the all-new, all-different Avengers uh, that Mark Wade has been writing before, you know, being in this series. Um, so... It was, it was pretty open as to her character and, um, you know, beyond her origin story, what what it was about 
you know, that set Nadia different, uh, that made Nadia unique from the existing Wasp and other characters that were already in the Marvel Universe. Um, and, you know, I got to talk to Mark Wade, who created her, and um, sort of the other folks at Marvel that had a hand in that. And um, for the most part, their answers were, uh, well, look at what's there, and then, uh, you know, do pitch what you want to do. Um, you know, come up with wow. uh, an idea that you like. And, uh, Good gig, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what we're doing is is basically what I pitched. Um, you know, in my initial pitch, we had to to move some things around just to uh, make sure we were uh, using characters that was, were available, and we got to create some new ones as well. So, um, yeah, it's been surprisingly uh, surprisingly hassle free ride as far as that goes. They've been very um, helpful and understanding as far as you know, uh, letting me do what I want to do. Very, very cool. Um, can we talk a little bit about uh, the new artist you're working with, Not, uh, and, and I am going to butcher her name. I know I'm going to butcher her name right now, but I'm going to give it a try. Uh, Elsa Cartier? <laughs> uh, I believe it's uh, Chiratier. Chiratier. Yeah, well, see, I was going, I was went in the wrong direction with it. Uh, <laughs> see, I, what's it like? with uh with her uh, on this book oh Elsa's fantastic i i can't say enough about her um you know it was a sort of interesting bit of kismet that like i was i was reading the starfire comic that she was drawing um you know shortly before she got moved over here i think it was her last real regular gig um before this um and i, I really been enjoying her art style it reminds me a lot of like darwin cook um so, you know, I've been sort of admiring that, and um, as I was pitching this, I you know, asked my editors who they had in mind and who they would like to get on the book, and uh, her name was the first one that came up. Um, and I was like, yeah, that's a fantastic idea. Let's let's do that. Um, and so, you know, we had, to, uh, we had to wait a little bit for her to finish up some commitments at DC, but uh, I think the, the wait was absolutely worth it because her, her work is amazing. So, so from an editorial standpoint, You've kind of had, well, I won't say free reign, but you, you've had free input into virtually all of this. Yeah, I mean, we've been, um, you know, all that really existed for what the idea of the series was before um, I started pitching stuff was that it would be about Nadia and it would sort of spin out of um, the stuff in Avengers. Um, and I, I got lucky enough that... Um, in that case, I even got to uh, co-write an issue of Avengers with Mark Wade that, uh, you know, was a Nadia-focused issue. So I got to kind of warm up to it there and uh, spin it off into her own series. And I mean, it's not like you haven't worked in the Marvel Universe prior to this either. You spent a lot of time on the Secret Wars and uh, the War Machine story in Civil War Two. Yeah, I, you know, uh, up to this point, this is my first ongoing uh, series that I've had the chance to work on with them, but, um, you know, I, I did a short story in Secret Wars, Secret Love, and then uh, I did a uh, short story in, yeah, that you were talking about, the, the War Machine's funeral story. Right, in, right, uh, right, yeah. Civil War II. Um, yeah, and then I, I did a uh, digital first story with uh, with Kate Bishop that came out um, last October, which was a uh, 
Halloween themed story with uh, with Kate, who's one of my favorites. Um, so yeah, that's all been nice, and um, you know, like I to do the Avenger story leading into this, and then um, since since I started doing this, uh, I did a couple of uh, Monsters Unleashed tie-in stories as well. I did a um, all new X Men Monsters Unleashed story that came out last week, and then uh, I did a Champions one that'll be out at the end of this month. So what's from purely a writing standpoint, what's it like working within this universe as opposed to working within your own composed universe? Um, I think to some extent it's easier. Um, and See, I, and I would have thought that because we used to talk, we, we talked a lot about, you know, when, when Princess first came out, about... Uh, the creative process and how you worked so hard to get it where you wanted it to be. And in this case, you've got like this company working with you. And for some people that could be a little daunting and a little more difficult. But in your case, I was really hoping it wasn't because the first two issues that have come out, you know, that have been really wonderful. Oh yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, I know with, you know, with princess, it's a, it's a case of, you know, it's something I created whole cloth, so there was nothing there before, and I, I sort of, you know, populated it first with sort of the, the character and the concept of it, and then I've had to sort of figure out as I went along, like, um, what all of this stuff is, like, actually had to draw, you know, when I say maps, it's more like blobs, but um, actually <laughs> figure out the map, and... Um, where people are from, what people do, just, you know, what the whole world is like. Uh, you know, Marvel, I've, I've been reading Marvel comics since I was a, a little kid, and I, I know that word, world pretty well, um, you know, and for the most part, uh, especially with, with Wasp, a lot of it is happening in and around New York. So, you know, I, I've been there that has a set boundary. <laughs> you know, I, I know where we're at. Um, so a lot of that stuff is, is easy because it's already there. And if I say, you know, want to have a, a fun guest appearance by a character like uh, Ms. Marvel or Mockingbird who are in the first, you know, issue, um, both of those characters are already created. They've had, you know, um, a lot more history in Mockingbird's case than Ms. Marvel's. But, um, you know, people have, have done the hard work for me already. Um, so it's, it's nice to kind of be able to go in and, and build out and, um, you know, not have to uh, figure out every part of what the story is going to be and where the story is before uh, before I get the start. <clears throat> Sorry, and what I'm not hearing is that you feel any sense of constraint because of that. Do you seem to be able to just kind of roll very easily into that universe, feel comfortable within it, and your characters just kind of are moving very comfortably within that universe. Uh, yeah, I mean, for the most part, there are, you know, there are some things I, I can't do and uh, some things I can't touch. There are always characters who are uh, otherwise occupied or off the table for one reason or another. Um, but, yeah, I mean, within, the, within those boundaries, uh, it's been, you know, pretty easy to you know, to go through and, and do what I want to do, and um, it's pretty easy to move within 
those boundaries because those boundaries are you know pretty well established with you know seventy five years of history. Yeah, it's it's kind of difficult to go. Well, that doesn't really exist. That's not a hard line. It kind of all is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there's been a few cases where um, you know there's there's a sort of puzzle in the, the last couple of issues uh, of this first arc, uh, five and six, that requires some uh, some figuring out as to some of the, the science in the Marvel Universe. And it was one of those cases where I had to, uh, I was sort of puzzling the thing out, and I was like, I had to go to my editor, and I would uh, uh, wait as well, and I said, does, does this work? Does this make sense? Has anybody written anything that directly contradicts this? And uh, you know, everybody's like, oh, no, that, that sounds plausible. And I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> if you guys think it's okay, you've read a lot more comics than I have at this point, so uh, I, I take your word on it. Marvel has a tendency to be in the now, the Marvel Universe. So how much of what's going on in the world right now is finding its way into Unstoppable Wasp? You know, um, in, in some cases, an odd amount of things that are happening in the real world um, have sort of made it in. Um, because the, the first six issues I've had written since September or October of last year. Um, and uh, it's, it's surprising how, um, how relevant it seems, how a lot of it feels like it could have you know, literally been written this week um, because you know, there is so much of a, a push, um, especially for, for science and for, for women in science in this story, um, in in a time where uh, a lot of scientists suddenly find themselves uh, being censored or asked not to talk about what they're doing, um, it, it all seems uh, surprisingly relevant considering that wasn't happening when I wrote the issues. <laughs> well, at the same time... Uh, I don't think that's true. Pushing, it's certainly happening more now, but... It's, it's, ha it's, it's actually just a lot more visible now than it's ever been. To a, to a yeah. very uh, uncomfortable degree. Yeah, I, I, it's, there's always been like, you know, uh, talking talking down or not acknowledging science. I think uh, the, the current active, uh, <laughs> the active request that people not even talk about the science that they're doing is uh, Wrong. unusual, at least. Painful, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we'll start with wrong and just morally repugnant. <laughs> yeah, we, we ethically repugnant. questionable, reprehensible, ridiculously stupid. Pick one mm. with Cheeto fingerprints all over it. Absolutely, yeah. But <laughs> you know, at the same time, the whole uh, the push educationally in STEM, which you kind of envelop into it as well. You know, moving girls, encouraging them into the science, into the arts. Uh, you know, look, looking at hard science as a career. Uh, Nadia's uh, encouragement in doing that, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's something we were, uh, we wanted to make sure to 
and sort of bake into the story is you know that's that's one of the things that attracted me to Nadia as a character when you know I was pitching the book is that it has this um, you know that she is a, a female genius that she is a scientist and um, it's not it's not really ever something that's debated it's not something she questions her ability at like she is um, extremely intelligent and um, extremely gifted in science and and she knows it. Um, so it's it's one of those things that we don't have to. It's not a, a long story where you know she has to prove herself in this. Right, right. It's, That's the given at the beginning. Yeah, it's it's nice to be able to jump right in with that uh, that assumed uh, strength. Right. There's there's a parallel in looking at the first two issues of of Wasp. And looking at your, your earlier stuff uh, in well, my favorite, which has always been Princeless, uh, in that there is a strength to your characters. There is uh, uh, an inner drive to your characters. It's not a reactive, but it's a proactive drive uh, that's really fun to watch. It's really well-written and well-developed, and it, it instills in the reader a sense of, yeah, that's, that's good, that's right, it, that's, you know, I'm saying this badly, and I get that, <laughs> but I, I think you know where I'm going with it. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it, it's... There's never a question, um, you know, either with with Adrian or with Nadia that they're the hero of this story. Um, you know that you know Adrian's isn't in a lot of Adrian's story is in a large part about proving herself, um, but you know it's never it's never going to be anybody else's story. It's it's hers from the get go, and, and the same with with Wasp is you know she takes that initiative from the beginning to um, go out and. and um, get things started and you know I think issue two on we've, we've got her sort of building and, and to some extent teaching and coaching and bringing in you know uh, new geniuses into her lab and uh, exposing you know the Marvel Universe to these these new characters and new ideas and it's 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 a wonderful world in that the older Avenger characters, not just the Avengers, the older Marvel characters uh, in some cases have uh, minor roles, peripheral roles, step forward for a few moments uh, to interact in the universe, but for the most part, it's these kids. Yeah, I mean, you know, in this case we get, you know, Mockingbird, who has uh, been, been around quite some time, um, and, you know, I, I like, I, I figure, to some extent, like, what is the point of uh, writing a story in the Marvel Universe if, if you don't get to take advantage of that, that rich history full of amazing characters? Um, and I, I like being able to bring in characters who, you know, can be friends with her, characters who can, um, you know, for, for one reason or another, be uh, mentors to her or um, inspirations to her. Because you know she has she has Janet, you know the um, right the the original Wasp, um, who will be popping up more throughout the series. Um, 
but Janet's not really like science isn't Janet's thing. Um, you know, she's far outclassed in that case by Nadia already. Um, so, well, she has a lot to teach Nadia about things like life <laughs> that, you know, Nadia doesn't have much experience with thanks to uh, when and how she was brought up. Um, you know, she doesn't have, uh, she doesn't have much she can teach her about, uh, about super science. Yeah, that was kind of Hank's role there, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, Hank, uh, Hank was always, you know, the, the science side of thing, and that's, that's where she gets it from, and unfortunately, uh, Hank is, is not around right now to, uh, you know, to be that kind of help and inspiration in her life, and, you know, I think she finds that in characters like Mockingbird. When you're working on a, a, a large project like this, uh, are you able to do other projects at the same time? Or, or do you feel kind of focused on, I've got to do this one thing? Um, I, I can absolutely do other stuff at the same time. Um, yeah, I tend to, a lot of the work I, I tend to do on a book happens well before I ever actually sit down to write it. So um, I feel like at any given time, there's a lot of different things sort of cooking in my brain. Um, and in a lot of cases, that means, you know, when I, when I sit down to write it, it goes fairly quickly. Um, you know, in several of these cases for the, the first six issues, I wrote, um, you know, the, an issue in a day or two. Um, and, you know, obviously there's some, some editorial edits and things that go into that, but um, actual, you know, time sitting in front of a keyboard is, is not that long. So as long as I'm, I'm able to kind of balance stories, usually I tend to write out a, a chunk of story rather than just an issue. So, um, you know, the last couple of issues of this storyline are very sort of um, tied very closely together. So, you know, I, I wrote, I think, four or five and six sort of back-to-back within a couple of weeks. Um, but, yeah, when I'm, when I'm really locked into a story like that, it's hard to jump out and do something else in the middle of it. But usually I can knock stuff out quickly enough that I can get around to other things. As long as I manage to prioritize correctly, it tends to work out. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're backing away from Unstoppable Wasp at this point, what other projects are you doing? Um, well, I've, I've got plenty more uh, Princeless stuff on the horizon, as well as uh, Raven the Pirate Princess. Um, I've got basically the next, I think, 13 issues of Raven written already. Nice. Um, <laughs> it was a good week, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it was a little more than a week, but... Uh, yeah, I get that. It was like, uh, you know, one thing kind of led to another. I, I knew where I was going with it, and, um, you know, it, it's easy. Sometimes it just kind of spills out, and it, it makes it much easier all the way around. Um, you know, when I finish an issue, and I'm like, all right, I know what the next issue is going to be about. I just need time to sit down and write it. Um, it's a lot easier than, like, finishing a story and going, all right, now, what do they do next? <laughs> um, but, yeah, I've, I've got... So let me, let me ask you then, do, like, the Pirate Princess or, or Princeless, do they kind of, the characters kind of tell you where they want to go? 
Um, yeah, absolutely. Some sometimes to uh, an unfortunate degree. Um, you know, that I'll, <laughs> what do you mean by that? Uh, I'll usually sit down and sort of knock out a, an outline of you know what I think the story is going to look like for the next several issues, um, and usually that <laughs> it ends up being fairly close to that. Um, sometimes it takes a pretty big diversion. Um, you know, the the next arc of uh, of Raven, I had a pretty good idea of what I was going to do. It was going to be you know this four issues. Um, that wraps up the certain part of the story. And um, I started writing and, you know, some other things started happening and some character stuff started developing. And, uh, you know, suddenly it went from being, uh, you know, something that was going to resolve in four or six issues to something that took 12 or 13 issues. That's that's well, not a bad thing, though, is it? I mean, seriously. I, mean, I hope not. We'll, we'll see when the issues come out and see how people <laughs> <laughs> It's it's not a boring life that you lead because you're constantly being bombarded by these characters who are telling you, "Hey, tell my story some more, tell my story some more." Yeah, I mean, in you know, in that case, I have you know, that whole year's worth of comics written, and then I have a, another uh, eight to ten issues of, of Princess that are already written, and I I kind of know where I'm going with the last. Uh, the last volume of the story that we're telling right now that's going to kind of wrap up her rescuing her sisters is, uh, is is proving to be a little more difficult than the last couple have. So I had to kind of step back and come back to it and step back and come back to it. And luckily I have that luxury because I'm, I'm well enough ahead. You know, it, it, it's been, God, it's been a couple of years since the last time we talked and, and, You've really come a long way since we first had you on the show almost nine years ago, eight years ago, actually. And we were talking about, you know, uh, uh, Action Lab Comics and, and Princeless and, and uh, the uh, two Eisners in, in, in 2011. I mean, it's, it's been pretty good stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I think... You know, I've done a lot of work between the stuff for Marvel and, um, you know, my personal stuff at Action Lab and then, um, you know, plenty of stuff for IDW in between with uh, mostly My Little Pony stuff. Um, and, you know, that's that's something that uh, for a while I, I thought I was almost done with. I'd kind of slowed down on it and I was uh, thought I was probably just going to end up stepping away and then I got sort of caught up into this uh, new <laughs> series they're launching. Uh, you know, I got asked if I wanted to work on that, and before I knew it, I was uh, laying out a whole almost year's worth of storyline um, in that. And so, yeah, not not at all leaving that, I guess. Evidently not. Um, <laughs> so, how long uh, are are you going to be with the Unstoppable Wasp? Do you have a Do you have a timeline for that? Have they have they set a a story arc or is this something that you've really committed to because it's phenomenal? Um, as long as as long as they uh, want to keep publishing this story and as, as long as they want to have me on it, I will be uh, glad to be part of it. I'm writing issue seven right now. I think we know uh, what we're going to do through 
eight. But uh, after that, it's, it's going to depend uh, how things how things go with the series, how people uh, are enjoying what we're doing, and uh, hopefully keep you know keep picking up stuff and reading it because you know ultimately with somewhere like you know Marvel, that's uh, that's the biggest thing is if they completely if they continue to be able to sell books, people are still interested in the books and they'll they'll keep making them. Well, the reviews for The Unstoppable Wasp are uniformly terrific for both the writing, the art, and the message. Uh, issues one and two are out on newsstand on the newsstands on the comic stores now. Issue three is coming out in a couple of weeks. Well, he's not busy doing that. He's writing for My Little Pony. He's doing Princeless. He's doing the Pirate Princess. He's doing the things he wants to do. And because he's doing that, it's wonderful. Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us, man. Well, it's my pleasure. You know when Doug no, starts just... using pronouns a lot, he's, he means, he's like, and he, <laughs> and then he also, and he also does this. And me, that's like, Kriana, turn the music on. Are you listening? Nice going there, Are you, are you listening? You are you really listening? Yeah. How long is it going to take you to realize you need to turn the music on? Sci-fi I, f- I figured it out. It is the official podcast of Boston Comic Con, Granite Con, and say hello to our friends at Super Mega Fest and BooksandBooze.com. Visit Comic Art House for some of the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. And if you happen to be checking out books, Take a look for Sci-Fi Saturday Night's first anthology, My Peculiar Family, now on Amazon and at barnesandnoble.com. Our intro music production was provided by Rob Watts. Find his creations at robwattsonline.com. And our outro music was provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. Check out their groups on, oddly enough, lawrencemademecry.com. I want to thank Jeremy for joining us tonight. Jeremy, it's a pleasure talking to you, and it's wonderful to see someone having fun at what they do and doing terrific. Thanks so much, man. Thank you. want to thank uh, Kriana for joining us tonight from uh, a little hovel somewhere in Peabody. Thank you so much, darling. It's not a hovel. I like my Peabody apartment. This is Dome saying, Terry and Jeannie's shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everybody. I know.